Well, it's one for the money, two for the show, three to get ready, not go cackle. He was looking for the place called Lee Hall Forks. Gonna get a big dish of beef chow mein. Six-string hayride podcast, a journey through the world of classic country music with your hosts Chris Wayne Scott and Jim O'Malley. We will be covering all of the great topics in country music, from mama to prison to dancing to drinking to guitar picking to all the crazy deal with the devil, honky talking stuff you do on Saturday night, and how you try to get it past your Lord on Sunday morning. So climb aboard the cart and let's go. One-hit wonders. Sometimes that's an accurate description, but often it's not. Take the case of Del Shannon, considered by many to be a one-hit wonder member of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. But was he? Yes, his first hit was his biggest. We all know Runaway, and we were called back to it by Tom Petty. Trees went back, me and Dell were singing, little runaway, I was flying. But Dell's very next song, Hats Off to Larry, went to number five. Hats off to Larry, he broke your heart, just like you broke mine when you said we was part. He told you lies, oh, it's your turn to When it was all over, the man had nine top 40 hits. Perhaps instead of referring to so many as one-hit wonders, we should refer to the songs as signature songs. Of the three songs I picked today, two of the artists already had number one hits before they even recorded the songs on my list, yet they are not remembered for those songs the way they are for these. So join us today on the Hayride as we talk about songs such as I Want to Be a Cowboy Sweetheart by Patsy Montana. Howdy. Of the great divide. 
Eastbound and Down by Jerry Reed. Eastbound and down, loaded up and trucking. Are we gonna do what they say can't be done? We've got a long way to go and a short time to get there. I'm eastbound just like no bandit run. Harper Valley PTA by Jeannie C. Riley. And she said, Mama got a note here from the Harper Valley PTA. Well, the note said, Mrs. Johnson, you're wearing your dresses way too high. Nobody by Sylvia. I said, Who's that? You said with a smile, oh, it's nobody. I'm Gonna Hire a Wino by David Frizzell. I came crawling home last night by many nights before. I finally made it to my feet as she opened up the door. And she said, you're not gonna do this anymore. And Jose Cuervo by Shelley West. I can't stop grinning, I had too much tequila last night. Jose Cuervo, you are a friend of mine I'd like to drink you with a little salt and lime Did I kiss all the cowboys? Did I shoot out the lights? Did I dance on the bar? Did I start a fight? Welcome fellow music lovers to another episode of the Six String Hayride podcast. Chris uh, brought up the idea when we were finishing up the Louisiana episode, Hey, you know, how about one hit wonders? And I immediately had a very narrow specific sense of this type of thing in my head. You know, um, I want to be a cowboy sweetheart or the battle of new Orleans. We fired our guns and the British kept a coming. There wasn't as many as there was a while ago. We fired once more and they began to run it. Down the Mississippi to the Gulf of Mexico. Or Envoy from the mid-70s. Uh, Breaker 1-9, this here's a rubber duck. You got a copy on me, Big Ben? Come on. Uh, yeah, 10-4, Big Ben, for sure, for sure. By golly, it's clean, clear to Flagtown. Come on. Yeah, it's a big 10-4 there, Big Ben. Yeah, we definitely got the front door, good buddy. Mercy sakes alive, looks like we got us a convoy. Welcome back to the Six String Hayride Podcast, fellow music lovers. This episode, like Chris said, uh, One Hit Wonders, Signature Songs, Novelty Songs, or... All the above. Well, it's one for the money, two for the show, three to get ready, not go cackle. He was looking for the place called Lee Hole Forks. Gonna get a big dish of beef chow mein.
Monster Mash. The Monster Mash. It was a graveyard smash. They did the mash. It caught on in a flash. They did the mash. They did the Monster Mash. Them green alligators and long neck geese. Some humpty back camels and some chimpanzees. Some cats and rats and elephants, but sure as you're born, don't you forget. This is pretty much an episode where Chris is walking us right up to the edge of the rabbit hole and providing a gentle nudge. When you talk about one-hit wonders, the first thing that comes up is that technical definition provided by the music industry. You know, an artist, a musician that has had one huge number one sort of genre or career-defining hit, and then no additional records of comparable merit. That's a pretty dictionary, you know, music industry definition. We all know at this point that here at the Hayride, we're not so much into labels for different types of music. Duke Ellington once said, there's good music and there's bad music. And the labels in between don't really matter. I'm not going to argue with Duke Ellington on anything, much less music. So we're looking at, you know, a one-hit wonder. Well, if you take the definition in its pure technical sense, Carl Perkins is a one-hit wonder because of Blue Suede Shoes and that being his only huge number one chart-topping record. As soon as you label Carl Perkins a one-hit wonder solely because of Blue Suede Shoes from 1956, you're overlooking really everything else about the man. Extraordinary guitar player. One of George Harrison's favorite guitar players. Right there, you're breaking through that very superficial definition of one-hit wonder. Uh, this is a guy that also writes... Say you will when you won't You tell me you do, baby, when you don't I ain't got no matches, but I got a long way to go I'm an old poor boy, long way from home I'm an old poor boy, long way from home Everybody's trying to be my baby now It's just that doggone man And I double barrel behind the door It waits for Carl, I know Oh, climb up on old Becky's back And let's ride to the picture show And with approval and blessing from Mother Maybell herself This is the guy that writes Daddy's Saint Bass 
which is the sequel, the response to probably the greatest signature song in country music, Will the Circle Be Unbroken, the old Carter family classic. And, and Carl Perkins wrote us another song that tells about the reason for it all. It takes us back home and again tells it like it was when I was a little bitty kid and we gathered around the piano and me and little brother would join in and mama sing tenor and daddy sang bass. Daddy sang bass. Mama sang tenor. And me and little brother joined right in there. All singing seems to help a troubled soul. One of these days and it won't be long I'll rejoin them in a song. I'm gonna join the family circle at the throne. Though the circle won't be broken by and by, Lord, by and by. So, One Hit Wonder is very specific about something in terms of radio play, record sales, and chart status. But in many cases, it is an absolutely foolish and inaccurate way to talk about certain musicians. Mike Turner, who writes Rocket 88 and gives it to his saxophone player, a singer named Jackie Brenston, in 1951, Rocket 88 winds up being considered the beginning of the rock and roll era. Technically, it's a one-hit wonder. You women have heard of jalopies, you've heard the noise they make, but let me introduce my new Rocket 88. Yes, it's great, just one way. Everybody likes my Rocket 88. Mike Turner begins a career for himself under his own name that lasts for a couple decades, has great success. But again, looking just at that strict definition, Rocket 88, Jackie Brenston, it's a one-hit wonder. But it's also one of the most hugely influential records to come out of that early 50s period, People still talk about the record today. It's something that comes up as soon as you do a tour at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame or at Sun Studios down in Memphis. It's not that one hit, oof, it's gone and you never hear the person again. Uh, another great example from this era, the guitar instrumental from 1959, Sleepwalk, Santo and Johnny. That's really all they're known for. One hit, poof, gone. But it remains one of the most influential and definitive guitar instrumentals covered by tons of people. Uh, Jeff Beck is probably my favorite cover version of it. But again, a record with a deep and lasting impact. 
And then from 1957, we get Bill Justice with Raunchy, another one-hit, poof, it's gone, except this is the guitar instrumental that influences a young George Harrison, and it's the piece that he plays when John Lennon asks him to audition for a group called the Quarrymen. We all know how that winds up. We needed a good guitar player. Both uh, John and I play a bit of guitar, but we couldn't really solo. We weren't that good. And I said, I know this guy. He's a bit young, but he's good. Uh, John said, well, you know, let's meet him. He's come on. So I, I said to George, you want to go meet these guys I'm in a group with, you know? So yeah. So he brought his guitar and we were on the top deck of a double-decker bus in Liverpool around where John lived, a place called Wilton. And nobody was on the bus late at night. And uh, John said, well, go on and let's see you play to George. I said, go on, go on, get your guitar out. So George unpacked his guitar, got it out, and he played this thing called Raunchy. And then I think the last really good example from this idea of it's a one-hit wonder, but there's a depth and an impact and a legacy that gets overlooked. In 1939, you have an old African folk song called Weemaway that gets recorded in a couple different versions. Seeger in the 1950s, and in 1961, the tokens rework it into a classic one-hit wonder, The Lion Sleeps Tonight. This has been covered by everybody from Pete Seeger to Chet Atkins, all the way to R.E.M., 
it's technically a one hit wonder, but it's a song with a impact and a legacy and an influence way beyond that simple definition. So we're looking at a couple different aspects of this. We're looking at the chart status, the record sales, that it's a number one, but we're also seeing two other issues that emerge in this topic. And one is it's a straight flat out novelty record like Battle of New Orleans or Monster Mash. He did the mash. He did the monster mash. The monster mash. It was a graveyard smash. He did the mash. It caught on in a flash. He did the mash. 1958, we get the big bopper with Chantilly Lace. Hello, baby. Yeah, this is the big bopper speaking. <laughs> oh, you sweet thing. Do I want? Will I want? Oh, baby, you know what I like. Or it's a record that gets underappreciated and overlooked and something like blue suede shoes where not just the record itself and that influenced, but the musician behind it, there's just so much more going on than that definition of one hit wonder is ever. It's just not a fair way to describe what's going on in that music. You do anything, but lay off on my blue suede shoe. Let's go cat. Let's rock. Burn my house, steal my car, drink my liquor from an old fruit jar. Do anything you wanna do, but huh, um, baby, lay off of them shoes and don't you step on my blue suede shoe. You can do anything but lay off of my blue suede shoe. Let's rock again, cat, let's go now. When we think of signature song, you know, you think of Merle Haggard with Sing Me Back Home. You think of Johnny Cash with I Walk the Line. But then we get these things that become a signature song in the classic sense, but then a one-hit wonder in that sense. A little bit of everything, which kind of takes us back to what Chris and I often say. It's all one song. It's either good music or bad music. Um, 1969, Roy Clark, Yesterday When I Was Young. It's one hit. Seems the love I've known has always been the most destructive kind. Guess that's why now I feel so old before my time. Yesterday, when I was young, the taste of life was sweet as rain upon my but tongue. Roy Clark is one of the most incredible guitar players of the 60s and 70s, and you would not have a show in Hee Haw that runs for two decades without somebody of immense 
talent and, and influence in their industry. Again, a lot more than just one hit. Dr. John, musician we talked about recently from Louisiana, 1973, Right Place, Wrong Time. But there's over 30 years of producing, arranging, songwriting, collaborating. There's an incredible career there. Uh, Chris's good friends, Nazareth, Love Hurts, 1976. Technically a one-hit wonder. Nazareth was one of those rock and roll bands in the 70s. This isn't the birds keeping a country vibe going in the 60s. This is Nazareth doing it in the mid-70s when the full stadium rock, heavy metal thing is going on. And you have a hard rock band that has one foot in the country waters, and they're doing it incredibly well. And it, Love Hurts, it's just one of those songs that a lot of people cover. It's really influential. And you have a hard rock band that's doing that. That's what they're known for. But they've done Long Black Veil. It, again, it's another example of there's a lot under the surface, which brings us to your friend and mine, Warren Zevon. Oh, yeah, Werewolves of London, 1978. Okay, but... Hasten Down the Wind and Mutineer are two of the most heart-tugging, emotionally powerful songs you're going to hear ever. She tells him nothing's working out the way they planned. She's so many women. So he's hanging on to half a heart But he can't have the restless part So he tells her to hasten down And then there's his take on the old murder ballads with Excitable Boy There's Lawyers, Guns, and Money He studied classical piano with Igor Stravinsky, and he was the touring piano player in the Everly Brothers Band for a while. So let's 
as we often do here at the Hayride, get past these kind of quick, superficial definitions and labels, and let's just have some fun with some really great music that may have come and gone on the charts really quick, but the impact, the influence is something that obviously here we are still talking about it. So for this one, uh, aside from coming up with the general idea for the episode, Chris has three records to talk about. Uh, two of them were really completely new and unfamiliar to me, so that's always fun to come across some new music. Uh, so here's Chris and his thoughts on signature songs, one-hit wonders, and novelty records. Jim. The first record that I want to talk about is Nobody by Sylvia. songs were all very formative in the way that I looked at music as I was learning to become a more knowledgeable and appreciative music fan. So let's talk about nobody. Well, first let's talk about the woman who gives us the song. She's born Sylvia Jane Kirby on December 9th, 1956 in Kokomo, Indiana. She starts performing at the age of three when she starts singing at a small local church. Obviously, this is what she wants to do with her life because in 1979, she actually auditions for a spot in the country pop trio Dave & Sugar. Uh, I was not familiar with them at all, so I looked into them. Uh, Sugar apparently was a stage name that was given to the female duo who supported Dave Rowland in the group. The women actually changed numerous times over the years, so it was kind of a revolving cast of ladies who just went by the collective name Sugar. Uh, Sylvia auditions for a part in this group. She doesn't get the job, but she does get signed by RCA. Uh, that same year, in 1979, she releases her first single called You Don't Miss a Thing, and it cracks into the country top 40. Her first album, Drifter, comes out the next year, and between September 6, 1980 to just over a year later, September 12, 1981, four singles are released. Now, the songs are called Tumbleweed, Drifter, The Matador, and Heart on the Mend. 
all our top 10 hits with Drifter making it to number one. Drifter, we see her fall to number seven with The Matador and then number eight with Heart on the Mend. So in the way that the music business does, another album is released once the prior album has been milked for every last penny. This album, Just Sylvia, released in 1982, starts out with a further fall to number 12 with the first single, Sweet Yesterday. But on June 5th, 1982, her signature song, Nobody, is released. And it makes it to number one country and number 15 pop. The song is written by Kai Fleming and Dennis Morgan. Uh, you may not be familiar with the names, but the songs you'll certainly know. Other songs written by the pair include I Was Country When Country Wasn't Cool and Sleeping Single in a Double Bed, both of which were hits for Barbara Mandrell. I should have held you And Smoky Mountain Rain and I Wouldn't Have Missed It for the World, which were both hits for Ronnie Millsap. So if anyone ever tells you that Felice Bryant is the only accomplished female songwriter, just remind them that Kai Fleming won Songwriter of the Year three consecutive years from 1981 to 1983. Now, this song, Nobody, was essential in my development of someone who could appreciate well-written lyrics. I was nine when it came out and I wasn't particularly aware of double entendre as a literary tool other than perhaps in knock knock jokes. So I remember as a kid kind of puzzling out what the lyrics meant and, you know, thinking it was really clever because it meant two things. You're still mine and I won't itself is about a couple where the man is presumably cheating on the female protagonist. On several occasions, the woman asks questions uh, such as who is the man working late with or what's on his mind. And his answer is the same. He just says nobody. But I can love you like nobody can. Even better. 
Yeah, the next song I want to talk about is another one from 1982. Uh, it's I'm Gonna Hire a Wino to Decorate Our Home. And she said, you're not gonna do this anymore. She said, I'm gonna hire a wino to decorate our home. So you'll feel more at ease here and you won't need to roam. We'll take out the dining room table. We'll put a bar along that wall. And a neon sign will point the way to our bathroom down the hall. It is released by David Frizzell, who is younger brother by 13 years of Lefty Frizzell, who's received plenty of airtime on the Hayride. Uh, so David, of course, follows his older brother into the family business. He's born on September 26, 1941 in El Dorado, Arkansas. Uh, when he's 12, he actually starts performing in his older brother's show. In 1970, he signed with Columbia Records, and he finds some success early on with his second single. Lucky for David, the music industry at the time was willing to spend a lot more time developing artists. And so for the next 12 years, David is able to continue recording as he hones his craft. Now, neither his first single nor the next five he released after I Just Can't Help Believing even came close to the top 40, uh, with the exception of a song with Merle Haggard called Lefty on the Carrying On The Family Names album. That one made it to number 45. The rest weren't even, I, I don't even recall any of them being in the top 50. But again, at the time, the music industry was different. They would give artists, in some cases, a significant amount of time to really begin to connect with their audiences. So, you know, again, it's 12 years since he's had a hit, but... He's able to continue releasing albums. And this gets us to 1982. He releases an album by the name of The Family is Fine, but this one is all mine. And the first single from that album is what we're going to talk about today. She said, just bring those Friday paychecks and I'll cash them all right here. And I'll keep on tap for all your friends, their favorite kind of beer. And for you, I'll always keep in stock those soft aluminum cans. And when you're feeling macho, you can crush them like a man. I'm Gonna Hire a Wino to Decorate Our Home spent a week at number one and 14 weeks in the top 40. So that song was everywhere, at least if you were growing up where I did, which was West Texas listening to a lot of country radio. So the song tells us of a wife who's frustrated with her husband's carousing and wasteful spending of his paycheck at the bar. Rather than just accepting her fate, the wife comes up with a plan to have their home redone to look like a bar. She said, we'll rip out all the carpet and put sawdust on the floor. Serve hard-boiled eggs, pretzels, and I won't cook no more. There'll be Monday night football on TV above the bar And a payphone in the hallway when your friends can't find their car The idea is that then the husband and his friends can drink at their house And instead of blowing all of his money, they'll have saved that Plus they'll have, you know, his friend's money to boot 
She said, I'm gonna hire a wino to decorate our home so you'll feel more at ease here and you won't need to roam. We'll take out the dining room table and put a bar along that wall and a neon sign will point the way to our bathroom down the hall. Who just decides she's gonna use the power that she has to take control and do what she feels is best. The man be damned. Uh, this one was another song that was really important in my development as a music fan. Uh, I learned a lot about literary devices such as allegory and imagery. Uh, you know, when I was a kid, the idea of a wino decorating, you know, my home was very vivid. Like you could just picture that. You know, when he's talking about a neon sign that's pointing towards the bathroom and sawdust on the floor. She said, instead of a family quarrel, we'll have a barroom brawl. When the Helms Bear says it's closing time, you won't have far to crawl. And when you run out of money, you'll have me to thank. You can sleep it off next morning while I'm putting it in the bank. She said, I'm gonna hire a wino decorate our home So you feel more at ease here and you won't need to roam Then when you and your friends get off from work and you have a powerful thirst Well, there won't be any reason why you can't stop off here first And I want to circle back to Jim's point about is it a one-hit wonder? Is it a signature song? Is it a novelty song? Or is it all of the above? This is a song where you really would be hard-pressed to call David Frizzell a one-hit wonder. I mean, again, he has another number one hit, and that's why God made Oklahoma with the next person I'm going to talk about, Shelley West. Oh, yeah. Dave and I both picked Oklahoma over the entire material that we had for the album. Right. And uh, it's hard to, you know, take that rejection like that. But luckily, we finally got this song uh, picked up by a major label and, and uh, put us to work. How did it get in the film, the Clint Eastwood film? Well, Clint heard it from Snuff Garrett. Yeah. And they was riding in their car and going somewhere or whatever. And Snuff said, you got to hear this song. And so I hear that when Clint heard it, he said, now that's a pistol. <laughs> You got to be in the music business. You got good ears. Is this a permanent combination now? Or are you going to pursue solo careers? Well, we're going to do both. I don't. I don't see any reason why we shouldn't be able to do both. We've got. Uh, I've got a single out. She's. She's got a single coming out right. Right. About now. Where Where do you live, Shelley? In Nashville. You know, I was raised in Nashville, and uh, and I moved to California with uh, David and Alan Frizzell. I was out there with them and working with them for about three years. And this, this is a very strange relationship. Aren't you engaged to his brother? That's right. Everybody <laughs> thinks, you know, sometimes they'll give us the same dressing room. I have to explain. No, we're not married. I, had, you know? <laughs> I get to sing with her, though. <laughs> All right, fair enough. This song, a friend of mine did years ago, and it's been one of my favorites. Why did you select it? Uh, this is one of my favorite songs, too. And this is another Snuff Garrett idea. How long has it been out? Oh, about a month now, four weeks, and it's doing real good. We're, it's kind of uh, nice to have a song to follow Oklahoma like this. It's it is entitled? It is entitled Husbands and Wives. Ladies and gentlemen, Frizzell and West. The angry words spoken in haste such waste of 
It's my belief pride is the chief cause And the decline in the number of husbands and wives The final song I want to talk about today is Jose Cuervo by Shelley West. Well, it's Sunday morning and the sun is shining in my eye that is opened and my head is spinning was the life of the party. I can't stop grinning. I had too much tequila last night. Now, much like David Frizzell, with whom she not only collaborated, but was related to by marriage, Shelley comes from a famous country music family. She's born on May 23rd, 1958 in Cleveland, Ohio. I'll say that again, Cleveland, Ohio. There we go. Hello, Cleveland! Hello, Cleveland! So I want to disabuse this notion that, well, how can you possibly be a country musician if you're not from one of only a handful of Southern states? She grows up watching her mother, Dottie West, enjoy life as a country music star. In 1977, she marries Alan Frizzell, who's the youngest of the three Frizzell brothers. Uh, again, we have Lefty, then we have David, now we have Alan. Perhaps being surrounded by so much country music royalty was too much for her, because in 1981, Shelley takes the plunge and begins a music career of her own. Uh, early on, she's best known for the duets with her brother-in-law, David, uh, which included the number one song, You're the Reason God Made Oklahoma. Uh, I should mention as a side note that in Texas, we would actually say that's an insult. In 1983, this leads her to her largest solo success, the number one single, Jose Cuervo. Jose Cuervo, you are a friend of mine. I like to drink you with a little salt and lime. Did I kiss all the cowboys? Did I shoot out the lights? Did I dance on the bar? Did I start a the song is written by Cindy Jordan, and it tells the story of a woman who drank way too much the night before. She wakes up. She's not quite sure what happened, but she's damn sure that it was a great time. Uh, one thing I love about the song is it's so non-apologetic. The theme isn't, I did this and I know I shouldn't have, but rather, I did this and it was a blast and I'm going to do it again. Things don't look too familiar And who is this cowboy Who's sleeping beside me Well he's awful cute But how'd I get his shirt on I had too much tequila Last night Jose Cuervo You are a friend of mine I'd like to drink you With a little salt and lime Did I kiss all the cowboys Did I shoot out the lights Did I dance on the bar Did I start Nineteen sixty-six, the Royal Guardsmen with Snoopy versus the Red Baron. They actually got Charles Schultz to sign off on that, and that was a huge hit. In the nick of time, a hero arose, a 
funny looking dog with a big black nose. He flew into the sky to seek revenge, but the Baron shot him down. Guess he's wild again. 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 or more. The bloody red Baron was rolling up the score. 80 men died trying to end that spree of the bloody red Baron of Germany. 1974, Arl Douglas, Kung Fu Fighting. Everybody was Kung Fu Fighting. Those kids were fast as lightning. In fact, it was a little bit frightening. But they fought with expert timing. And if you want to look at something that was really deliberately put together as a novelty to cash in on a, a friend at that time. Yeah. Kung Fu fighting 1974. And then of course, with that same point of view in mind, 1976, C.W. McCall and Envoy. By the time we got into Tulsa town, we had 85 trucks and all. But there's a roadblock up on the clover leaf, and them bears is wall to wall. Yeah, them smokies as thick as bugs on a bumper. They even had a bear in the air. I says, calling all trucks, this here is the duck. We about to go a hunting bear. Cause we got great big There's always going to be records like this that are designed to be humorous, commercial, seasonal, a little bit of all those things. And like these records we've listed here, when somebody really gets it right, it's hilarious, but it's also good music. And, you know, again, Purple People Eater, Tequila, Monster Mash. These are all records that are well over 50 years old, but they're still in the public consciousness. Not everything is going to be Maybell Carter and Hank Williams. Sometimes you got to have just a little monster mash in your lives. So the first of Jim's songs that we're going to talk about today is I Want to Be a Cowboy Sweetheart by Patsy Montana. I want to be a cowboy sweetheart. I want to learn to rope and to ride. I want to ride o'er the plains and the desert, out west of the great divide. I want to hear the coyotes howling while the sun sinks in. I want to be a cowboy sweetheart that's alive, that I love that. Well, Patsy Montana is one of those musicians who kind of gets quickly written off as, oh, that's the female Gene Autry. She did that one record. She yodels. Yeah, that's great. Uh, it, again, kind of tip of the iceberg or maybe tip of the cactus uh, since we're in Western world here. 
Patsy Montana is born in 1908. Her name is Ruby Rose Blevins. And pretty nondescript, typical early 1900s childhood, rural poverty. In 1930, she is able to go to UCLA to study the violin. So her musicianship and her straight academic grades are good enough to get her from a basic working class background. She's at UCLA as a violin student. He starts a group called the Prairie Ramblers. And eventually he does meet and work with Gene Autry. And through the 1940s and 1950s, Patsy and the Prairie Ramblers get a ton of work, mostly doing radio programs with the WLS Barn Dance right here in Chicago. So you've got a Southern California girl winds up in Chicago doing Western swing and cowboy music. Uh, the record comes out in 1935, and it, the really pioneering and innovative kind of groundbreaking thing about this record is Nancy Montana writes the song, she plays guitar, she plays violin, and nobody else is going to yodel like that, so you know she's doing the yodeling as well. I want to hear the coyotes howling while the sun sinks in the west. I want to be a cowboy sweetheart that's the life. She's the first female country or Western artist that sells a million copies of a record. And I Want to Be a Cowboy Sweetheart has really become a standard of the Western genre. It's been covered over the years by Patti Page, by the Dixie Chicks, by Cindy Lauper, and by Susie Bogus, a fine singer who worked with Chet Atkins uh, back in the 80s. It's... A fun record, again, she really takes that old Jimmy Rogers yodeling thing to a whole new level. She's got a lot of power in her voice. And then she follows that up with a record that does not get anywhere near the attention that I want to be a cowboy sweetheart had gotten. But it's a great novelty record in the traditional sense that there's a wonderful setup and a gag and then a funny punchline at the end the record is called i didn't know the gun was loaded now one night she had a date with a ration heavyweight and he tried her brand new hole she did not appreciate so she whipped out her pistol and shot him in the knee and quickly she sang this plea i didn't know the gun was loaded want to be a cowboy sweetheart is more of a proper actual western record and has certainly been one of those records that's come to define that genre of music 
it's just fantastic. And again, first woman country or Western artist to sell a million records. She writes the damn thing and she plays guitar and fiddle and she led the Prairie Ramblers. Patsy Montana. It's just a really great record. And I know Patsy Klein is, that's the one we think of when we say Patsy in this kind of music, but Patsy Montana, do not overlook her. Great, great record. Oh, in addition to Patsy Montana claiming she did not know the gun was loaded, I bet you most of us music lovers out here did not know that her touring guitarist in the early 1960s was Waylon Jennings. So another one of these instances where you, you have a record and it's a one-hit wonder, it's also perceived to be kind of a novelty record, mostly because it's a joke attached to the film soundtrack that that this comes from uh but again you go in the rabbit hole you look a little under the surface and you see an extraordinary guitar player good friend and collaborator of chet atkins there's the guitar credibility right there uh we've got jerry reed born in 1937 left us in 2008 and this is a guy who as a young man getting his start as a musician, Jerry Reed is the guy who writes Crazy Legs for Gene Vincent. And that is one of the classic, iconic rockabilly records, you know, ever. Well, I got a little woman called Crazy Legs. She's the queen of the teenage crowd. I haul a cat stuff and nickels in the old jukebox Just to watch her do the bop when the music gets loud Crazy legs, crazy legs, bopping all over the floor Do the bop, crazy legs, do the bop She's my baby and I don't mean medicine Mine, mine, mine Jerry Reed gives us Guitar Man This is the song that's the big opening sequence in that Elvis 1968 comeback special That's a Jerry Reed song When you're hot, you're hot he got the gold mine. I got the shaft. And again, two records with Chet Atkins, pretty even back and forth on guitar through both those records. Jerry Reed unfairly gets pegged as he's the other guy from Smokey and the Bandit. He's the guy with the dog who drives the truck, the snowman. He's bounded down, loaded up and trucking. Are we gonna do what they say can be done? We've got a long way to go and a short time to get there. I'm eastbound, just watch no bandit run. Keep your foot hard on the pedal, some never mind them brakes. Let it all hang out, cause we gotta run to make. The boys are thirsty in Atlanta, and there's beer in Texarkana. We'll bring it back no matter what it takes. He's the guy behind the record Eastbound and Down, and he does an excellent acting job in the movie for a guy with not a lot of acting experience to come in and work with the mid-70s Burt Reynolds, who's really at his peak. It's a fantastic job, and both him and the dog are kind of the perfect sidekicks in that movie. The song works for the most part if you know the movie and you kind of get the story and the joke that that it's conveying but 
again, he writes the song that winds up being the opening sequence for the Elvis 1968 comeback special. When you're hot, you're hot. It's a well-known, very big, popular country record. He writes Crazy Legs, you know, and, and then the Chet Atkins collaborations. Sometimes when you have a little more background or context for something, it makes the story a bit more fuller and it grabs you in an even more powerful way than you thought when you just heard the song on the radio. We've got a long way to go and a short time to get there. I'm eastbound just watch your bandit run. Harper Valley PTA by Jeannie C. Riley. Of course, this song is written by the incomparable Tom T. Hall, who's been featured many times here on the Hayride, and it turns into a smash hit. We're talking number one country and number one pop. It is one of only two artists who have done that with the first single of their career. Jeannie C. Riley, 1968, Harper Valley PTA. This was written by one of Chris's favorite songwriters, the great Tom T. Hall, exceptional storyteller. Jeannie C. Riley is the first woman to have a number one billboard and country with this uh, record. This doesn't happen again for a female artist until nine to five with Dolly Parton, which is number one for country and billboard at the same time. The record is a great Tom T. Hall structured song, the style, the narrative, the way it flows. When you give it, a more upbeat arrangement and you give it to a female singer, the delivery is very different from Paul's records themselves, but you can still hear his pen and his brain behind all this. Well, it happened that the PTA was going to meet that very afternoon. And they were sure surprised when Mrs. Johnson wore her mini skirt into 
It's basically the story of a single mom and her daughter is in school in Harper Valley. And the mom is getting a lot of social hypocritical backlash gossip bullshit from the community. He's out with men, having drinks, he's wearing short skirts, scandal, scandal, scandal. So when the woman in the song, you know, who's getting all of this gossip and nonsense and judgment from the community shows up to address the Harper Valley PTA. Well, there's Bobby Taylor sitting there and seven times he's asked me for a date. And Mrs. Taylor sure seems to use a lot of ice whenever he's away. She basically looks around the PTA meeting and points out to the community, well, okay, there's the adulterer, there's the alcoholic, there's the skirt chaser, you know, there's the woman who leaves her windows and her shades open and she's prancing around wearing nothing. And then there's the secretary who mysteriously disappeared for a while. Basically, he just tears everybody at the PTA a new one because they are, as she puts it, patent place hypocrites. You know, if you're going to call me out for what I'm doing and you guys are doing worse. Well, Mr. Harper couldn't be here because he stayed too long at Kelly's bar again. You'll smell Shirley Thompson's breath You'll find she's had a little nip of gin And then you have the nerve to tell me You think that as a mother I'm not fit Well, this is just a little Peyton place And you're all Harper Valley hypocrites You know, best keep your mouth shut Or you're going to get the proverbial taste of your own medicine it's a great karma song. It's really perfectly delivered by Jeannie C. Riley. Well, folks, we're back to the John Wayne cocktail guide this episode with a tequila drink called Saddle and Bridle. Fill your hand, you son of a bitch! For this one, you're going to need two ounces of Añejo tequila, three quarters of an ounce of Contro, three quarters of an ounce of Ancho Reyes. If you're like me and have no clue what Ancho Reyes is, it turns out it's a Mexican liqueur that includes Ancho and Poblano chilies and is widely available at liquor stores and online. You will also need three quarters of an ounce of fresh lime juice. Shake the ingredients with ice and pour unstrained into a rocks glass. And I will also let listeners know in the picture I'm looking at that's from the John Wayne cocktail book, uh, they actually garnished these drinks by taking a jalapeno and splitting it in half lengthwise and just using the 
you know, essentially hanging the stem of the jalapeno over the glass. So I would recommend you do that too, because it looks really cool. I'd like to remind you to email us at sixstringhayride at yahoo.com. Six is spelled out. You can also search us uh, on Facebook as Six String Hayride. Or what we'd really appreciate you doing is finding us on Patreon under Six String Hayride as well. Well, folks, thanks again for joining your hosts, Chris Wainscott and Jim O'Malley on the Six String Hayride Classic Country Podcast. We are here for all of your classic country, rockabilly, early rock and roll, little gospel, little blues, a lot of excellent country music-themed recipes. And basically, we are here to keep your musical circle rockin boppin and very much unbroken so thank you for sticking with us we will see you down the road real soon and again whether it's in your home in your community wherever it is you do your thing keep your circle unbroken stay well stay safe and we'll see you real soon I'm gonna join the family circle at the throne No, the circle won't be broken By and by, Lord, by and by Remember, the force will be with you, always.